Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all as we gather for worship here on this uh, Lord's Day. If you're visiting with us uh, here at Providence, we're very happy to have you here with us here this morning. We do hope that you are blessed uh, today and that you are received warmly by our congregation. If you have any questions about Providence, about uh, anything at all, uh, please feel free to come talk to me after the service or one of our elders. We'd love to, we would love to speak uh, with you about that. Uh, just a few uh, announcements before we begin our service of worship, friends, today. As you can see, we will celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. Also, we will be receiving, and there's no, no fellowship meal today. Uh, also, we will be receiving Ben and Diana Delorier into membership uh, this morning. That will happen later in the service, and so uh, we are very uh, excited about, uh, about this. Um, an additional collection will be taken up this morning in support of uh, the Deacon's Fund, uh, if you also, if you brought non-perishable food items to donate in the food pantry, please uh, place them in the boxes provided in the narthex. And thank you for uh, thank you for for donating. Uh, the Deacons Fund, uh, by way of reminder, and for some of you who may not know, the Deacons Fund goes uh, to help uh, those who are the neediest among us. So people who are in need. This is where that money comes from. The Deacons uh, Fund. So we'll do that later. Uh, there's no evening service uh, tonight. Also, our beloved sister, Linda Nelson, will be moving to Michigan, as many of you already know. Uh, March 17th will be her last Sunday here uh, at Providence, sadly. It's hard to even think about saying these actual words uh, that Linda will not be here anymore after uh, March 17th. Um, uh, but uh, we have been truly blessed by her presence and her participation, her service to this church, her her uh, influence and her mark will be uh, felt for, for a long time. So we're thankful for Linda. Please uh, continue to encourage her and pray for her. Um, we will have a, a hymnal. Uh, there is a hymnal out back if you, in the, on the table in the back of this room. Um, if you uh, would like to sign that, we always, this is a tradition that we typically do for people who are moving away. So uh, please sign the hymn book uh, for Linda. Uh, and encourage her until March uh, 17th and pray for her. Uh, friends, if you would, uh, please keep on your minds and your hearts the various prayer requests that are listed in the insert in the bulletin this week. Family of the week is the Franklin family, so please pray for Jay and uh, Layla this week. Also, uh, please be mindful of the various prayer requests uh, that are listed there throughout uh, the bulletin. Uh, one item to just be, to remember is that Autumn Broccolo is doing well. She's uh, got through the heart surgery, and uh, she may return home this week. And so please pray for her. This is a wonderful uh, time in the life of this family and for our church. We look forward to seeing her with us uh, very soon, Lord willing. So please pray for Autumn. Well, friends, I believe that takes care of all of the announcements we have gathered here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to worship the only true and the living God as the music plays Let us prepare our hearts to worship him.
And to the saints of Providence Presbyterian Church, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. If you would now please stand as we hear God call us to worship him from Hebrews chapter 12. This is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 29. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in feastal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let us now sing the doxology. Please pray with me. Our Father and our God, we give you all the praise and glory, for indeed we have come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. We thank you, O Father, that you have placed your spirit within us who dwells in us and who opens our mouth that we might declare your praise and who leads us towards gatherings such as this. We pray, Father, that this morning you would give us that rest that is promised to us in Jesus Christ. Father, help us to enter into that rest that we might be made more like him that we might enjoy you, that we might enjoy your Son. We pray that you would do this good work this morning to the praise of your glorious grace. For we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We'd like to invite you now to turn to the front of your Trinity hymnals, page Roman numeral 16. At the front of your hymnal, on page Roman numeral 16, you will find a list of the Ten Commandments, which we will cite out loud together this morning. Beloved, as we read out loud the Ten Commandments together, let us uh, think of all the ways in which Christ perfectly obeyed this law so that we might be accepted as sons and daughters uh, in Him, sons and daughters of the Lord. Let us spur that on to a greater thankfulness for what Christ has done. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath 
or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Well, beloved, having heard God's law, let us confess our sins to God together by reciting the prayer of confession that is listed in the insert in your bulletin. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Incline your ear to me. Swiftly come to my rescue. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted away with grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow, and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me by the blood of your Son. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. In Christ's name, amen. Beloved, God is gracious, He is merciful, His ears are ever attentive to our cries for mercy, and for all those who put their faith in Christ alone for salvation, the Word of God gives us assurance that our sins have been forgiven, as we see in Acts chapter 4. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved." Amen. If you would now turn with me in your hymnals to hymn 274, Jesus, my great high priest, hymn 274, and let's all stand together as we sing.
Amen. You may be seated. We'd like to invite you now to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Philippians uh, chapter 4. Today we are going to be looking at verses 8 and 9. We'd like to begin the reading in verse 4 and we will read through uh, verse 9. But the focus of the sermon today will be on verses 8 and 9. So Philippians uh, chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 4. Beloved, before uh, we hear God's word, if you would, join your hearts together with me in prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, your words are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace seven times. We thank you for these praiseworthy and commendable and pleasant words that you have given to us in Holy Scripture. We pray, Father, that as your words are read this morning, that we would feed upon them, and that we would feed upon the gospel and on Jesus Christ in our souls as we hear that that gospel proclaimed. Father, do this to the praise of your glory, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Beloved, this is uh, the word of God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord remains forever. Well, Paul gives his second finally here in verse 8. The first finally uh, came way back at the beginning of chapter uh, at the beginning of chapter 3, since we are actually approaching the end of this letter, it seems that Paul actually meant what he is saying here when he says, finally, brothers. So Paul's final words in this section include two main exhortations, think and practice. Think and practice. These are the two commands from this section that we are given. Or we could put it this way, think and do. Verse 8, think about these things. What he says in verse 9, practice these things. Thus, the thrust of this section involves what Christians are to do with their minds and with their bodies. Now, this is significant because Paul had just exhorted his hearers to pray. To pray for everything. Verse 6, do not be anxious, but in everything make your requests known to God. So Christians are to spend a majority of their time or a good section of the time that we've been given in prayer. We are to pray always. Do not be anxious, but pray. So we are to spend a considerable, as was said, a considerable amount of time individually and corporately in prayer to God. We are to commune with him in prayer. We are to speak to him, offer up our desires, offer up our requests to him in prayer. We do that together every week in worship, but we are also called to do that uh, in our families, individually, as we see fit. And so this is 
part of what we do as Christians. Paul says we are to do this in everything. And so again, a significant part of our existence in this world is to be done in prayers, to be experienced in prayer to God through Christ in the power of the Spirit. That is part of the way in which we as Christians live out the days that we've been given in prayer. Now, this does not mean, however, that we should or even can spend all our time in prayer. That's virtually impossible. We must, however, much time, however much time we spend in prayer should be, though, accompanied with a significant amount of time working hard. So there's different parts of our existence in this life. Some of it is spent in prayer, and other parts of our existence, much of it, in fact, and a significant part of it, is spent working hard, serving, communing with other believers, with other Christians, working at our jobs. All of these things are part of Uh, what it means to be a Christian in this life. Jesus spent much time in prayer, for sure. He was always praying. But he also spent a large portion of his time serving. He spent a good portion of his time serving, talking to his disciples, working, preaching, teaching. He went to a wedding, even, and of course he spent some of his time hanging on a cross. He even prayed on the cross, however. But there were other parts of his existence that Jesus experienced other than just prayer. And so our prayer life should be accompanied by loving practice. And that's where we're getting at uh, here somewhat. Actually, our prayers should fuel our thinking and our doing. As we pray, we learn how to think. We learn how to do. In fact, God helps us how to think properly and how to practice properly. This is the way Paul sets it up here, think and do. Now, the first thing we see here is that there are times when we use our minds for something other than prayer. When we pray, we have to use our minds for sure. But there are times when we have to use our minds for something else, for other activities. Now, we are now about the, act, act, the activity of the mind here. This is where we are. What we do with our minds Christ is the Lord of our bodies, to be sure, but he, of course, is the Lord of our thinking. He's the Lord of our minds. He's Lord, after all. If he's not absolute Lord over all of us, then he's not Lord at all. He's the Lord of our thinking. And so we have to think about how we use our minds. Paul already touched upon this earlier when he said, do not be anxious. Often we get anxious because of what we let our minds do, where we let our minds go. Don't let your mind, that's what we looked at last time, as much as you are able, and of course with God's help, don't let your mind be used in this way by being anxious, by constantly being fearful of what's coming next. There is a sense in which we can contend against that kind of thing, and that happens in the mind on, in, in some way. And so instead, we engage our minds in prayer. Do not be anxious, but pray. But we can't always just pray, can we? So what about the other times when our minds are still going? How do we use them? Well, Paul says here, for those times, he says, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's any, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, of course, we think about these things in prayer, but the emphasis here, I think, is on what we do with our minds in general. Now, what can we say about this list? Now, the first thing that we can say is this. Uh, 
This list is not exhaustive. Paul does not include every single good thing that we could possibly do with our minds in this list. These are not the only good things that we can think about, but this list does move us in the right direction. It is meant to have us think about what we do with our minds completely. And so this is what This is one thing that we can say about this list. If we had to summarize this list, we might say, we we might be able to say that we should think about what is good and beautiful. That's, in general, that is what we should do with our minds. Think about what is good and beautiful. And so the list doesn't cover every possible perfect thing that we could think about. But if we look at the way that he structures the list, Paul does want us to think about all the ways in which we use our minds. That is something that is, he's getting across here. Think about all the ways in which you use your mind, Christian. That is what he is saying. The repeated use of the phrase, whatever is, and then if there is anything, whatever is, if there is anything, is meant to have you consider everything you think about and then make judgment on that. Whatever is, that, if that is good, if this is pure, if this is commendable, direct your minds towards that. This means we should be somewhat intentional about how we use our minds. Whatever is honorable, think about that. Now, we might think about the ways in which we don't fall in line with what Paul is saying here. Looking at inappropriate material on TV or on your phone or on your computer, that is certainly not honorable. There is some quite dishonorable and impure material in books and magazines and movies or whatever that is not pure. That We should not let our minds see or not let our eyes see, not let our minds think about. Uh, for the Philippians in uh, the day of the Romans, this was a Roman colony after all, at this time, they would, ha- they would have had to ask themselves whether or not attending or watching the gladiator games at the amphitheater, at the local coliseums, could be considered honorable or pure. Was that an honorable thing, to visit the coliseum and watch people kill each other, essentially, literally kill each other? Was that an honorable thing to do? That's, that would be a question that one of Paul's hearers would have had to ask them, themselves. Now, for us today... We have the Colosseum and the theater in our living rooms, on the TV, even on our phones. We don't even have to be at home to pull these things up. And so we have to ask ourselves, are the things that we watch on TV and on our phones, are they honorable? Are they pure? Are they commendable? You're using your mind. These are the kinds of questions we have to ask. Now, we won't be able to completely, friends, escape seeing things that are impure, we won't be able to completely escape seeing things that don't fall in line with this list as something that is, something that is good and um, beautiful. And we also aren't saved by turning the TV off. We're saved through faith in Christ alone. But we can and should be selective. That's the point. We should also be sober in our use of these things. We should be sober in just how much this stuff we let our minds Think about, we let come into our eyes. How much time are we spending on these things? Maybe it's a commendable thing to to watch for a time, but is it a commendable thing to do all the time or hours upon hours? We are warned in the Bible that we become what we love. 
If we have an idol that we continually look at, and it happens to be on a screen, if we continually look at them and bow down to them, we will become like that idol. You think about the words of Hosea. Uh, God says this about his people. He said, they became detestable like the thing they loved. Some things that we let our eyes see are somewhat um, innocent or somewhat harmless. But if there's too much of it, over time, we can become like whatever we let into our eyes. Now, some of our young men here uh, this morning, perhaps young women too, some of you like to play video games, which is fine. Play your video games. I'm not at all saying to stop playing video games. But which games are you playing? Are they games that are inordinately violent? Is that commendable? Is that honorable? Are they honorable, commendable, pleasant? Are they pure and worthy of praise? Are these the kinds of things that you're seeing when you turn the game on? Then you have to ask, how much time are you spending playing those games? Is it a just or righteous thing to do with your mind to spend countless hours on a video game, young men? This is a question for you. Is that a healthy way to go about your week as a Christian young man, learning to become a man, And we all, of course, need to be asking ourselves similar types of questions in regard to how we use our minds. It doesn't just apply to playing video games. We all have to think about this. What what do we think about? What do we let into our eyes? What are we constantly thinking about? This This is the question that is posed from this text. Now, thinking about the rhythm and the cadence of this text, whatever is... True, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In other words, if you think about that cadence, whatever is, if there is anything, what that means, what that's communicating to us is this, is that we are to look and then to think about this and then to judge Ever is. Look out. Look at the options. Look at what you can do with your mind. Think about them. Which ones of those options are pure, are good, are commendable? Think about this and judge. This is what the Philippians were to do. This is what we are to do as well. And we can put it in a kind of playful but serious way here as Christians. We should think about what we think about. Think about what you're thinking about. That's what Paul is saying here. Paul assumes here that the way in which we use our minds is largely under our control. We can have some measure of control about, over how we use our minds. Think about this, which means we have to intentionally not think about other things. That's, that's what he's getting at. You have control. To a certain extent, you have control about the kinds of things you let into your mind. Now, one way to do this is to start, one way to help, help us with this is to start our weeks in worship thinking about the gospel. That's what we're doing this morning. We're using our minds to think about the gospel. There is nothing more true, nothing more honorable, nothing more commendable, nothing more pure, nothing more worthy of praise than the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how we start our weeks, using our minds. This is a really good way 
to set you off in the right direction by using your minds in worship like this. Think about his perfection, his beauty, his wisdom, his power, his love, his mercy. I mean, how often do we not think about these things? This is, this is a time for that. This is a good way to help us with this. Now, what is somewhat ironic about this is that there is a measure of violence when we think about the gospel, is there not? Jesus was crucified after all. He suffered violence at the hands of sinners, but the violence, that violence happened in accordance with his divine mercy. It was a revelation of God's mercy to us in his son, Jesus Christ, that violence in the gospel, when we think about it then, is utterly redemptive. It's helpful. We should think about that. We should think about the gospel. Other forms of violence that we can think about are not redemptive. The gospel is. The violence at the cross is entirely redemptive, and it's entirely appropriate for us to think about it often, but especially here in worship. Thinking about that actually heals our minds. It brings us a measure of peace in our thinking. It brings us restoration and healing in the way we use our minds. This is because Jesus rose from the dead. He was crucified, yes, but he is alive forevermore. And friends, he shares that life with us. Indeed, he shares his mind with us. We have the mind of Christ, as Scripture says. We are to use our minds in his, to his glory and in service of him. What a wonderful way for our minds to begin the week, to think about him, to think about Jesus in worship. As Hebrews says, consider Jesus. Think about Jesus, the writer of Hebrews. Think about him. That's, there's nothing more pure than that. So think about Jesus, friends. And from there, we are to let the gospel influence what we think about throughout the rest of the week. So again, this is a good place to start. Another thing that we can think about in regard to this list is that unbelievers could look at this list, people who are not Christians, they could look at this list and they could agree with it. Of course, we should think about beautiful, commendable, pure things. Even Roman philosophers in Paul's day had virtues such as this in their writings. There were certain virtues that they expected their citizens to uphold. The good and the beautiful were along along those lines. But we always have to define what we see here using the word of God. We have to temper our understanding of each of these with Scripture and the pure doctrine of the gospel. Unbelievers, to put it another way, unbelievers will define what is commendable and what is pure in very different ways than we do. Unbelievers will define what is pleasant to look at in a different way than the word of God defines it, in a different way than Christians do. In fact, Paul starts this list with whatever is true. Unbelievers, pagans, do not believe that which is true. The gospel is true, and it defines everything else that we think about. Jesus is the truth, and so Christ's understanding of what is pure, Christ's understanding of what is lovely, Christ's understanding of what is worthy of praise, that, that is how we look at this list. And so at the core, our understanding of this list and an unbeliever's understanding of this list is quite different, though there may be some uh, overlap in what we consider to be beautiful and praiseworthy. 
Uh, it is quite different from the way unbelievers understand this list. That which is true and honorable and commendable are fairly straightforward in terms of uh, definitions. The word of God is always true. Its principles are always honorable and commendable. Think about Psalm 1. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. You will never go wrong thinking about Scripture. You'll never go wrong thinking about the Word of God, filling your mind with uh, Holy Scripture, meditating on Scripture as the psalmist uh, commends us to do. doesn't mean emptying your mind uh, like pagan philosophers would have you do. It's not emptying your mind. It's rather filling your mind with the Word of God. That's meditating. Think about the Word of God. You will, you will never go wrong with that. And so that is a good way to use our minds. What is true, honorable, commendable. Loveliness carries with it the idea that there are things in this world that are just pleasant to see and to think about. And this is where some of the overlap might be with, with unbelievers. You might think of the colors of a sunset, a gorgeous painting, the clouds in, the, in, our, the clouds in our central uh, Texas sky. One, uh, I've heard someone refer to the clouds that we see in the sky as cloud drama. They're di- it's different all the time, and it's quite beautiful. And so uh, it's hard to imagine that an unbeliever would not consider these things as pleasant to look at, as lovely. I think that's what loveliness is getting towards. Beautiful, beautiful music, the loveliness of your spouse, the loveliness of your children. These are things, uh, very good use of our time, our mental energy to think about these things. And so think about things that are lovely. It certainly can't hurt to think a little more about whatever is lovely. Whatever is pure and whatever is just, this, these, uh, these words, these references may bring into view a little more the behavior in others and our own behavior. Think about what the just or righteous thing to do is at work. What is the just thing to do in this particular situation? What is the righteous thing to go about doing my, my job in the midst of so much unbelief, in the midst of much darkness and much pride and selfishness? These are difficult things uh, to maneuver for a lot of us throughout the week. We can think about this. Think about what is righteous to do. What is the righteous thing to do with our finances, with our family? What can we do to keep ourselves morally pure, uh, morally pure in our lives? Think about these things. Use your mind in this way. Now, in terms of excellence and also praiseworthiness, things that are praiseworthy, this could include the way in which we go about our daily tasks and responsibilities. We can think about how we are called to do everything as unto the Lord. Everything we do is in service to him. Do all things as unto the Lord. Whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. Everything we do is to be done in his service to glorify him. And so we are not to think about, if we could put it this way, we are not to think about how we might cut corners or how we can get away with stuff. How can I get away with not having to pay this fine or not having to do this at, at work. How can I get away with this stuff? Or maybe how can I do this halfway? We think about how we can do what we are called to do then with a measure of excellence. Think about what is excellent. How can I do this in the way that when I'm done, when the, when the work is complete, God would be pleased. I can, I can have pride in what I've done. 
cutting corners, trying to get away with stuff, doing things halfway, doesn't, you don't quite get there if that's what you're thinking about. And people do this. We do this often as well, even as Christians. We think about, how can I, how can I get around having to do what I've been called to do and still get the praise for it? That's not how we are to think. How can I do this with a measure of excellence, with a measure of care, intentionality? That's what Christians are to do. Christians should be the best employees if we could apply it to work. Christians should be the very best employees at work. Now, sometimes we're not. We can learn about this, and we should think about that. Think about um, the way in which we go about our tasks. You don't get the sense in Paul that he was lazy or half-hearted about his approach to being an apostle. You don't get the sense that he was spending time thinking about, how can I... How can I cut corners as an apostle of Christ? How can I get around having to do the responsibilities that have been given to me as apostle of Christ? He didn't do that. He thought about what was excellent, what was praiseworthy. Worthy of praise also probably has in view the commendable and honorable attributes and behaviors that we see in others. In fact, this is right where Paul goes. In verse 9, he says, You have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things. Think about what you've seen in me, think about what you've heard from me, and then go and do those things. Listen to the gospel, hear Christ's words, look at those praiseworthy qualities in your leaders, look at those praiseworthy qualities in your brothers and sisters around you, look, in those, look at those praiseworthy qualities in your spouse, even, and even perhaps your children. Do they not, do our own children often not humble us at times with the way in which they go about things, and we don't follow suit. Think about those things. Think about what is praiseworthy, and then imitate them. Do them. That is what Paul is saying here. Think about how you might better provide others also with qualities or behaviors in yourself that are worthy of praise, worthy of imitation. How can I, how can I provide a picture for others around me of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, what it means to lay down my life for my friend, which is what Christ did. How, how can I cultivate in myself, in my thinking, in my doing, a better example of that for those who are around me, those who see me? That's something that would be good to think about. That's a good thing to think about. That's a good way to use our minds. That's what Paul says here. So this is how we are to go about uh, doing this. Paul concludes this section with a promise. The God of peace will be with you. If you are able to apply these things, then the God who gives us peace in our prayers, remember, do not be anxious, but in all things, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus, the very God who gives us peace he will be standing right there next to you. He will be guarding your mind as you pray from anxiety. And then he will be giving you the strength and the perseverance and the comfort and the power that you need to do just the things that you want to do as a Christian. The things that you think about. The God of peace will be with you in this. He will support you in this. He will bless you in that. There are other things he doesn't bless. The other activities that we use our minds for that are not pleasing to God. But if you do this, if you do some of the things that Paul has listed out here with our minds, 
and with our doing, practice them, God is right there. He's present with you, helping you, strengthening you. That is, that's where I want God to be in my life. I want him to be right there with me. And that's what we are being called to do here, is the God of peace who gives us peace. And we'll have peace. We have peace if we use it in our minds and our bodies in this way. If we could sum up then this section, brothers and sisters in Christ, glorify God with your minds and with your bodies. Amen. Let's pray together, friends. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that our thinking has changed. We thank you that we were once those who only thought about what was impure, what was unlovely, what was not commendable, what was unrighteous and unjust and unholy. And yet, because you have changed us, you have given us the mind of Christ, we now think about the beautiful things. We think about the pure things, and we desire to do this. Father, we do come before you recognizing we don't always use our minds in ways that are pleasing to you. This is a difficult task. It's a difficult command to receive and to apply. And so we pray, Father, that in the power of your Spirit, you would help us. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of the ways in which we fall short. Remind us that we will never be perfect in this day, in these days with the way in which we use our minds But we do long to glorify you with our thinking and our doing. Help us to put into practice these beautiful and wonderful things we think about, namely the gospel. Father, we do pray that as we think about the purity of Jesus Christ and his excellence, his praiseworthiness, his loveliness, we pray, Father, that you would make us like him. Father, we do pray now for the nations of the world and for our own nation. We thank you, Lord, that you are king of heaven and earth and that you Order all things in accordance with your divine and holy will. We can have peace in that, O oh God, as Christians, even as chaos abounds and as darkness seems to gain ground in all kinds of ways. Father, we can have peace that you are at work still. And so we do pray for the Christians who labor under harsh dictatorships, labor in the midst of civil chaos and much strife and darkness within and without their cities and their homes. Father, grant them your perseverance. We do pray that the gospel would continue to go forth unhindered. We lift up to you in that regard the work of our missionaries. We thank you for uh, the hops who have served in Haiti and are now serving in Uganda. We pray, Father, that your mercy would be at work in their lives and that you would provide for all of their needs. We lift up to you Octavius Delfields and his wife and their children, asking that you would bless Octavius as he has now lost his friend and... um, his companion and uh, Pastor Ben. We pray that you would bless him as he continues to lead the work in Haiti. We pray that you would keep him safe and his family safe. We do pray that you would bring stability to this land in accordance with your will. Father, we lift up to you the work of our home missions. We thank you for local churches and for faithful preachers and teachers. We thank you for our Reverend Sumter and his work. We thank you for Good Shepherd, New Braunfels, and Hayes County. We ask, O Lord, that you... Uh, would bless their labors and bless their work, that they might uh, bring the gospel to bear on those who are walking in darkness in this land. Father, we pray now for the needs of our church. We thank you for providence and for the many blessings that you've poured out upon us. 
Father, we pray that you would provide for all of our needs, for both body and soul. We thank you for your abundant goodness and for the way in which you've bestowed upon us out of the riches of your glory in Christ, all that we need for life and faith. Father, add to our numbers day by day those that are being saved, and we pray that the gospel would continue to touch the lives of families and individuals who do not yet know you through, through our ministry here at Providence. Father, we lift up to you those especially who are in weak conditions and who grieve and who are dealing with trials of various kinds. In this regard, we pray for the elderly amongst us and those who face cancers. We pray for Jim and Wit and John and Hikari. Father, we lift up to you in our prayers, Dorothy, Kay, Hal, Rosalie, Jean, Linda. We ask, Lord, that your grace would be at work in the Okorafor family as they search for a home. Father, we thank you for answering our prayers on behalf of Autumn Brocklow. We thank you for your abundant goodness shown towards her. We pray that in accordance with your will, you would um, speedily get her home. And we look forward to the day when we will see her here in worship. We thank you for this uh, little girl. We thank you for this family. Continue to bless them and keep them. Father, we pray, uh, we lift up to you uh, this morning those who mourn and those who grieve the loss of loved ones, asking that you would wipe away every tear from their eyes. And Father, we thank you for the Franklin family. We thank you for Jay and Layla. We pray, Father, that... Your spirit would continually be at work in their lives, that they might serve one another in love. We pray that you would knit their hearts together in love as they serve one another and their family. We ask, Lord, that you would be uh, with them and their service in this church and participation in worship here. And Father, fill our hearts with compassion and uh, graciousness toward them, that we would aid them in all that they endeavor to do and pray for them in all ways. Father, bless and keep uh, Jay and Layla to the praise of your glory. Father, we thank you that you hear our prayers. We, we thank you that the promise comes to us from Jesus Christ that whatever we ask in his name, he will grant us. And so we commit this, all these things unto you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, beloved, as our deacons come forward now, we now have the wonderful opportunity to respond to the gospel with our free and gracious giving. May the God of peace and the God of the eternal kingdom be pleased to use our sacrifices for his holy and wise ends. Amen.
Well, at this time, I would like to ask uh, Ben and Diana Delorier to come forward and also for the session of uh, Providence uh, to come forward uh, as well. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank our God for the grace that was given to you and our, that our Savior sought you and he found you and that through faith you have become a partaker of the covenant of grace. We rejoice that in his grace he has brought you to this congregation. We rejoice that he's given you a desire to profess your faith before believers and before God this morning and to unite with us. We ask that you testify before us, Ben and Diana, to the faith that you profess by giving assent to the following questions. Do you believe the Bible consisting of the Old and New Testaments to be the word of God and its doctrine of salvation to be the perfect and only true doctrine of salvation? Do you believe in the one living and true God in whom eternally there are three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who are the same in being and equal in power and glory, and that Jesus Christ is God the Son come in the flesh? Do you confess that because of your sinfulness you abhor and humble yourself before God, that you repent of your sin, that you trust for salvation not in yourself, but in Jesus Christ alone? Yes. Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your sovereign Lord, and do you promise that in reliance on the grace of God you will serve him with all that is in you, forsake the world, resist the devil, put to death your sinful deeds and desires, and lead a godly life? Do you promise to participate faithfully in this church's worship and service, to submit in the Lord to its government, to heed its discipline, even in case you should be found delinquent in doctrine or life? Yes. Well, beloved, as Ben and Diana have been received into full communion in the church, of course, the whole congregation is obligated to receive them in Christ. We are all members of one another, so we rejoice that... New members have been added to our body, and we are called to serve them uh, in love. And so this is the obligation placed upon us. And so we should commit ourselves before God to assist the Deloriers in Christian nurture by example, by prayer, and by encouragement in our most precious faith and the fellowship of believers. Well, beloved, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to all the privileges of full communion with God's people, in particular to participation in the sacrament of the Holy Supper. I charge you, Ben and Diana, to continue steadfastly in the confession that you have made, humbly relying upon the grace of God and the diligent use of the means of grace, namely the word of God, sacraments, prayer, and rest assured that if you confess Christ before men, he will confess you before his Father who is in heaven. May the God of all grace who called you unto his eternal glory in Christ After you have suffered a little while, may he perfect you, establish, and strengthen you. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. In this age, as in the ages past, the forces that come against the church are great. And yet, Christ will continue to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We here today are a witness to that truth. 
Christ is building his church. We pray for Ben and Diana as they publicly attest to the provisions that Christ made for them and the church. Strengthen, strengthen Ben as head of his home as he cares for his family under Christ. May he grow in wisdom and knowledge of your word. We pray also for Diana. May she grow in her love for the Savior. Protect her from the evil one who seeks to destroy. We also pray for us as a congregation as we covenant to support them, to love them, and to come alongside of them as part of our family. We all pray these things in the name of him whom every knee will bow one day and every tongue confess, Christ, our prophet, priest, and king of his church. Amen. Well, that's another wonderful thing to think about, as new members being joined to the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord for this. And as always, we'll invite the Deloriers to come forward after the service so we can encourage them and, and uh, fully welcome them into our, our, into our fellowship. Uh, beloved, if you would now turn in your hymnals to page 851, the Apostles' Creed, uh, we will recite this as a profession of our faith in the gospel, and let us all stand together as we do so. Christian, in whom do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. If you would now turn to Psalm 119M, Oh, how I love your holy law, Psalm 119M.
Now you may be seated.
If you would now turn uh, in, your, in your hymnals to Psalm 63a, O God, you are my God alone, Psalm 63a, and let's all stand together as we sing. Amen. We were, supposed to, we were supposed to stay seated for the first couple of verses there. Sorry about that for the deacon's offering. Uh, but as a reminder, I'd like to invite uh, Ben and Diana Delorier to come forward uh, after the benediction. Please come and uh, come forward and welcome them and encourage them in this great step in their faith. Uh, friends of God, receive the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.